Hey everyone, welcome to the Stuff That Sticks, the third edition since we've been working from home. We've got Dallas here as usual. How's it and going, everybody? This, how's it going, Dallas? Good. How are you doing, Eric? Oh, not too bad. We we thought it'd be kind of interesting with uh, the meat shortage, especially, to ask for someone who's kind of experienced in the field. And he's been out of it for a little bit of time, but uh, I'd like to welcome Sam Rogers to the podcast. How's it going, Sam? Hey, not too bad. Not too bad at all. So Sam, uh, in the past, was a, was a hog farmer for quite some time. Sam, can you tell us like how long you did that and, of course, being out of it for a while, um, what that's been like? Yeah, so I've been exposed to uh, kind of the hog farming my entire life pretty well. Um, started, I mean, whenever I was born, my parents had small sow farm operation. And uh, about the time I was seven, eight years old, they went to a commercial contract feeding operation where they raised pigs. For someone else we built the barns we did the labor but someone else owned the pigs and owned the inputs um, and we pretty well did that for about 10 years and then when i was 18 or 19 we got back into ownership um started owning our own hogs again and got back out of that again whenever corn got to five dollars and we couldn't afford to feed them so we got back into the contract situation again um and and then i personally got out of the operation about four or five years ago but family's still heavily involved. I still go out and help them from time to time. So just kind of something I've always been around too. That's awesome. Now I've, I've heard some stories, but would like you to share with others. What, what's it like kind of growing up? I imagine you don't have much free time. Uh, I'm sure when it's nice outside, you're probably put to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was always chores before school and then come home to your homework and then go help out, do a little bit of something. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as intense as some people say, you know, we were always like grinding, but for the most part, uh, there was always work to be done. Um, it wasn't bad though. What time would you typically have to wake up in the mornings when you guys would like on a typical school day for you, what time did you have to wake up? Um, so I started helping on a pretty good level, like where I'd have to get up before school and help whenever I was probably 10 or 12. Um, and I would get up, enough early enough to do an hour's worth of work probably between a lot of that wasn't the hogs though like I would have to do a little bit of the hog work but we also had uh show cattle hmm. so it was kind of a you know if you're getting up and getting dirty anyways you might as well go do yeah. some of the hog chores and then feed the cattle and you know groom the cattle and then we'd go to school and then it was back to doing the same thing in the evening yeah that's that's always really interesting to me because it seems like you're someone who has a, a lot of skills, can kind of put different things together and can and tinker and, and find ways to make things work. Do you think it, part of that's probably just due to the, you know, who you oh, as yeah. person, but do you think you learned a lot of those kind of growing up on the farm? Yeah, and we weren't, we weren't a turnkey operation. At a very young age, we started like turning barns that were, you know, used to be sow barns or barns that used to be uh, nursery where you'd have little pigs in them into uh, growing operations and turning them into places where you could feed them out to fat pigs rather than you know just the little pigs so we're always remodeling and adapting and so to do that there's no blueprint for that you can't call a construction company and say hey how do you turn a building from the 80s into a modern growing facility and you just had we just had to figure it out you know it's something we sat down and we you know get to work on it and you know running electricity in, in an old 1980s barn whenever you're 15 just kind of makes you adapt to things so. <laughs> Well, it's, it's so cool to have that skill set, though, and, like, do you find yourself using a bunch of the stuff you learned then today, so? Yeah, um, 
so like when we lived in our house in Noble, which we lived there from 2012 to 2017, I was perfectly comfortable going up and doing like electrical work on stuff or doing plumbing work. It was an older house and I didn't mind doing it. And I w it wasn't none of the work I do is up to code just because it's stuff, you know, I taught myself how to do this electrical work and plumbing and that kind of stuff. And but nowadays, now that we invested into a nicer home, Casey's not real keen on me working on it. <laughs> She'd rather call somebody that knows how to do it right if we're going to stay here a long time. And so, but yeah, I mean, if there's just a little project or something, and, and even around the office, it's come in handy when we did the beer garden and stuff. Um, being able to do stuff that we wouldn't, we'd normally call like Royce's for and pay, you know, 70 bucks an hour. They do great work, but if we can afford to cut it out, we might as well. Well, yeah, no, that's been a tremendous asset. And, um, uh, kind of going back to the hog farm and what what's something that most people probably don't know about it that would be interesting to them or, or a good fact of information for them to know yeah um so a lot of people think like and and i would agree to an extent that that you have to buy local and by that i mean uh like at like hartrix or like a local meat you know like a butcher shop like a mom pop butcher shop and i'm not against supporting them but a lot of people think you have to buy your meat there in order to support local farmers. Well, that's, like I said, that's true to an extent. Um, they obviously are the most direct source to small farms around here, but the guys that are running confinement operations, they may be these huge corporations, but the barns are still owned by small families in our area, you know? So, so a company like Cargill or, or Smithfield that you see in the, in the grocery store, those jobs or those farms where they get their pigs is still local people to us. I mean, there's still 25, 30 farms in the county. They may be huge farms that raise five or 6,000 hogs, but they're still local families. So, you know, people think that if you don't buy your meat from some tiny butcher shop that you're not supporting local farmers, well, sure, some of the profits are leaving, but at the same time, you are still supporting local families. So it's like any other industry though, where it's just very consolidated, you know, there's on the, on the massive scale, there's uh, probably only 10 or 15 major producers in the country. And then there's probably a hundred medium size. And then you get into your small, you know, butcher meat, you know, you guys, you buy a half a cow off of or half a pig off of, you know, those are everywhere. Yeah. So, so what you're saying pretty much is that like the Smithfields and the Cargills, they also are buying from the smaller mm -hmm. producers. As right. Well. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you can't afford to buy the artisanal meats or the, the small, you know, locally sourced food, you shouldn't feel guilty about it. Like, you know, you can still get an idea of, of where your food's coming from. If you want to know how that food's raised, go talk to pull into one of these farms, you know, maybe knock on the door first, but <laughs> pull into one of these big hog farms you see in the area. And, and I guarantee you, most of these guys are advocates for the industry. They're, they're perfectly willing to talk to you and tell you, you know this is how we raise and they probably even take you on a tour of the barn if you're not oh you know if you're okay with going home smelling like a hog but you know they, they're not going to turn you away no that's really cool and i think that's something like you said a lot of people wouldn't know so thanks for sharing that mm -hmm. and uh kind of moving on to more of a fun topic what's what's the craziest story um or oh, crazy man. experience i'm sure there's a few so yeah might be uh, tough to pick from yeah i mean the I'd say the craziest was probably, was probably one of like the worst experiences was, uh, we were, so like, like I mentioned before, we had show steers, which is basically cattle that we would take around to county fairs and to, to other shows. And 
we were down at the Ducoin State Fair in Ducoin, Illinois, and the local sheriff's department called us and said, hey, you got a few pigs out, and we're down there for two or three days, and we're like, all right, so we'll drive home. It's like a two-and-a-half-hour drive home, figure out what's going on. We get home, and there's probably 400 hogs in the yard. Oh. One pin had gotten loose, and the pigs were smart enough to open up a bunch more pins, and before you know it, they had found their way out <laughs> through the door, and you know, so you got to give them credit. They they were intelligent enough to open up more gates and uh, open up the door and get out. And they were all just hanging out there. So we spent the whole night, in the middle of the night, chasing chasing pigs down in the yard. Man, that has to be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they and it it was like like you hear the expression herding cats. Like pigs are not a smart animal. They're I mean they are, but they're not like they don't have that that herd mentality like cows. If you try to push cows through a lot towards a door, they're all going to go the same way. You go towards a group of pigs, they scatter. Mm. It's it's so you're literally just chasing them down one on one. It was a ton of fun. So pretty good workout, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I was a little more athletic back then, so we ended up me and my brothers basically just literally grabbing each one by hand and dragging it through the door and putting it back in the pen. So it's fun. Be sore as I'll get out the next day. That is for sure. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. Yep. So I, I know there's um, kind of the talk right now of uh, a meat shortage. Um, what, uh, what are your thoughts kind of on that? And if, if you know, if that would ever happen with uh, pork or if that, if from what you've heard or read that is happening right now. Yeah. So my opinion on that is there's really never going to be a shortage of meat. What there might be is a shortage of skill on what to do with the meat. You can you can always get your hands on a quarter of a pig or, you know, a half a hog or a half a beef or whatever you want to get your hands on. If you don't know how to cook it because all you've ever done is buy a ground beef or, you know, pre-sliced pork chops from the store, you know, that's the problem. So people, I think people are going to have to get creative if we get into any kind of real prolonged situation from this whole coronavirus deal. I think you'll see a lot of how-to videos become popular on YouTube of, you know, how to how to butcher. You know, you'll buy a, just go buy a frozen half beef or half pig from somebody and figure out how to cut it up and get it into your freezer. Which is really interesting. It would probably be a good skill set for the population yeah. to learn in general. <laughs> yeah, I I think we'll see. I think we'll see a nice niche of people in the population that like realize like, you know, this is something you might want to know, even if you're never going to use it very often. Just know how to do it. That's what, uh, for sure, for myself, I know, at least for during this virus, just the people's rampant buying, like, you can't even get essential uh, vegetables at the store anymore. So I know, like, last couple of weeks, all I've been doing is researching how to grow, like, like a flourishing garden, basically, because yeah. if you can grow it yourself, then why go to the grocery store anyways? And it's the same thing. If you know how to cut the meat, you're going to be good for a long time anyways, because like you said, you'll always be able to find that. that. Mm -hmm that pig or yeah the cow or whatever the case may be <clears throat> yeah it's crazy if you talk to some of the guys at the local like hardware or farm and home store like they've just had crazy crazy months where mm -hmm. they're selling left and right and people that are getting back into gardening are getting first-time gardeners because yeah. like i said it's just scary and they want to be better prepared for the next time oh for sure yeah that's because i mean just simple stuff really you just take for granted and it's just like wow <laughs> And I saw, I mean, honestly, it was like a post on Facebook that was got me thinking about it because it was um, just like a bunch of, a picture of a bunch of neighbors like sharing their, their garden goods or whatever because they couldn't find anything at the local store. And I was like, yeah, dude, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've, we've actually, I mean, 
as long as I've known Casey, we always go out and her grandparents have probably a half acre garden. And that's where all of our, most of our vegetables and produce come from anyways. So, and we go out there and help can them and help process them. Another good skill for people to to know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I actually have quite a, I've just got a pretty long uh, kind of um, box type garden Mm -hmm. that uh, use every year and kind of switch it up this year. I'm doing a ton of uh, tomatoes and peppers actually got a Carolina Reaper, which I'm not sure that I will be able to intake myself, but like, hey, maybe I can trick someone into eating it. Yeah, the maybe. nice thing about those is those plants will put off five or six good-sized peppers, so you ought to, ought to be able to have fun with that. Yeah, well, we'll see. If, if you want to eat them, you'll, you're welcome to. <laughs> bake will definitely take one down, dude. Bake's a big spicy guy. I don't know, man. Uh, bake ate one of a habanero I grew a couple years ago, and that was rough. Put them out? Yeah, and I think sometimes when you grow them at home they're a little bit hotter than the ones that you can buy at the store mm. but, uh, yeah that w- i it was rough for me as well so i learned my lesson <laughs> i'm not real great at eating just like the straight peppers like they mm. they tear me up but cooking with them is fun making spicy food out of them because you can kind of cook a little bit of the intenseness out of them mm. see about the only ones that i love to eat just straight up are, are um pepperoncinis i just mm. kind of they're not overly spicy. Yeah. They've got a good kick to have a couple. Pull them of out of a can with all the juice on them and just eat them. Oh, They're pretty yeah. good. Yep, that's that's one of my favorite little snacks. Um, so, kind of back to it. Um, so you're not directly involved anymore. Do you do you still hop out around the farm? Yeah, I go out there whenever Gary's short on or needs some help or something. But for the most part, he tries to keep like a high school or a college kid on standby, so I don't have to. I don't care to do like the hog loading anymore. It's hard on the body. It's like playing. I, I always said that like loading a semi load of hogs is about like playing a, fo- a football game at linebacker. It's rough <laughs> on your knees. It's rough on your back. You're constantly pushing. And these guys are 300 pounds and they have a center of gravity that's about a foot off the ground. So <laughs> they've always got the, always got the uh, advantage there. Yeah. Be a pretty good defensive tackle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Well, Dallas, you have any kind of last questions before uh, we let Sam go for the evening? I think you covered it all. That was a good one. Yeah, no, we appreciate the insight, Sam. That's uh, uh, It is really interesting, especially kind of your point on uh, the big corporations as well, still buying from the smaller operations. And I think that's something that people people don't really think about very often. Yeah. Yeah, they've been, it's just the commercial farming, if you want to call it that, um, has been so demonized. It's something that it's been overplayed, I think. Like, you know, the guys that are still farming or still raising your pigs and hands-on with the meat is going to be just your average people. They're normal folks. They're the same guys that are buying the meat that you are. And they care. They care about the animals. They care about their welfare. So, and not to take away from the guys that are, you know, running your, your organic or your your locally sourced stuff like those are great too like everything everything has a purpose but you just can't feed you know seven billion people by <laughs> raising, raising organic hogs on on acorns wild so you know everything has a place cool sam any last points for, before we uh head out no i mean just if anybody wants to know you know about the hog industry there's plenty of you know resources out there um the national pork producers council has a great website um, you can go on there and, and then your best sources, just, you know, 
ask around your local neighborhood if it's a if it's someone that raises locally source you know small uh farm talk to them talk to the guys that run the growing operations you know the big commercial operations they'll all talk to you everybody's everybody's perfectly willing to advocate for their industry so it's always plenty of information out there awesome well thanks sam i certainly learned a little bit more today appreciate your time and uh Sure, we're all off to have a great night. Thanks, everyone. Hey, you too. See you guys. Yep, see ya.